Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here, bringing you another episode of The Rad Dad Show. Today, we're bringing you an interview with a rad dad who really needs no introduction. If you grew up in the 80s or 90s in Canada, you will definitely remember sharing lots of Saturday mornings with this guy. Of course, I'm talking about the legend, Fred Penner. Fred's a father of four and a grandfather to five grandkids. Fred discusses the importance of staying in touch with your feelings as a dad, staying true to your core, and he shares stories of touring and performing with his kids in tow. So let's get to it. Sit back and enjoy children's performer, Canadian TV icon, and dad, Fred Penner, on The Rad Dad's Show. Mr. Penner, welcome to The Rad Dad's Show. Who are you? Who am I indeed? Christian is your name, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just to make sure I've got that. Uh, Fred Penner is my name. I am a uh, performer, an entertainer. I've been for 45 years of my, my life traveling across the country, sharing music, stories, songs with, uh, with a couple of generations. And most importantly, I am a father of four children. One, the first child was a, uh, is a boy. Uh, my son is turning 40 this coming this coming year, and I have three three girls, uh, 36, 30, and uh, 33. So so a a 10 year span of uh, of children. Excellent. Would you, are you a granddad? Yes, I am. I'm a granddad five times now. My uh, my son and his wife they had three boys. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my middle daughter has, uh, has, has two children, a girl and a boy. And uh, yeah, I, and, I'm, and that's the hardest part of this, of this COVID experience is not being able to see them and hug, hugging them person to person. Agree. My, my brother, uh, him and his wife had, a, had, a, had my nephew at <laughs> the end of, the end of uh, June. And I've, I've seen him you know, on a limited basis and uh, definitely tough. That's hard. Um, do, you, do you consider yourself a rad dad? I do, indeed. I've, uh, I've, I think the, uh, for whatever whatever reason, the the kind of gig that I've I've got, thing that I'm doing in my life, is uh, is generally considered pretty cool. You know, getting up on stage, and all of my kids have been on stage with me over the years. You know, performing. They've all recorded with me on my on my CDs. Uh, right from the beginning, in the in the early early part of the '80s, um, they were singing with me. So I've I've done some pretty pretty cool things with them. We've toured together across the country. So uh, I think they would consider me a rad dad. So I'll leave it to them to make that decision. There we go. That's that's the litmus test of this week. If if they consider it, that's good. Do you uh, consider yourself a rad granddad? And is there a difference between, so it's kind of a two-part question, is there a difference between how you approach being a, a grandpa and how you approach being a father? Um, well, yeah, sure, to some degree. I, I mean, not having the ultimate responsibility for the child is, uh, is the world of the grandfather or the grandparent. Um, you know, I, I, I love being with the kids and and, uh, and 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 romping with them and playing playing games and and then saying oh look at the time bye I'm <laughs> good luck putting them to sleep now 
you know, so it, it's, uh, yeah, they, there's a very different perspective when you have your own children. It's obviously completely different, but I, I love uh, watching the grandkil- grandchildren growing and, and thinking of the things that I, I may teach them along the way. My, my granddaughter, my, uh, my middle daughter's girl, so the only female in this, in this group, um, when I was performing two years ago now at, uh, in Winnipeg for our Christmas show at the Burton Cummings Theatre, and, uh, and, and Lily is her name, is, is my granddaughter's name. And she came, uh, she, she saw her mom because my kids were all on stage with me and she saw her mom up on stage and she wanted to go with her. So I've encouraged that with other grandkids along the way. So Lily came up on stage and stood with her, with her mom, Danica is her name, while we were performing. And, uh, and, and then at one, at one point, Lily sort of walked over to me, grandpa, grandpa, you know, so, so we had this on stage you know the 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 ultimate ah moment, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that was it was, and I've got a picture of that, so that <laughs> that warms my heart every time I see that one. But um, I I I love being a grandfather, and it's uh, it's really tough being away from them right now. Yeah, uh, what are some of the most rewarding aspects of being a dad? Seeing your children learn something succeed in something uh i actually just about half an hour ago my my son he's uh, he as i said he's turning 40 in august he's been uh working as an ea uh educational assistant in special with special needs kids for the last or the last 10 years now and uh, just recently he's been he's been uh, uh doing some some really interesting free form art he's done over 100 pieces now and he's starting to sell sell some of the works and he he called me there's a there's sort of a boutique store in Winnipeg that is uh, is going to handle uh, some postcards he, he created these sort of surreal but but really interesting postcards for Winnipeg and uh, and and they are they they actually bought it wasn't a consignment thing but they actually purchased you know uh, uh, however many of these of these cards to sell in their store because they they felt strongly about them so seeing that happen for for Damien at this point is uh is just a a beautiful thing but generally you know watching your kids handle life and handle things that you know perspectives that they're they're uh they're feeling uh I've got lots I mean lots of thoughts are now flowing through my my brain on on that that perspective but but generally it's watching them grow, seeing them succeed in what, whatever it is they're, they're doing and, uh, and, and feeling that part of contri- having contributed to the, the well-being and the, and the love and life of, uh, of, of your child. Is there any difference on how you know, the rewarding aspects of being a grand- grandpa? Or is it the same sort of thing, just kind of seeing your uh, grandchildren or? Yeah, it's the, that particular aspect. I think is is similar. Uh, you know, watching watching the grandkids starting to uh, make music, for instance. You know, he, hearing them just you know listening to to songs or something and and singing along in key. So it's all right. So so the kids, the these grandkids have a musical ability, and that's 
you know, as a musician, I'm, I'm excited about that because at some point I'm hoping that, that they may come on stage with their parents and uh, we'll, have, we'll have a whole family reunion, you know, on, on a stage somewhere in the future. Um, yeah, I, I think watching, well, really any child that you know in this world, you know, whether it's friends or, or family, seeing children succeed at something, seeing them grow and discover and, and just be curious about, about the world and, and build things in their life that are, uh, are long lasting. They, they become patterns that they will be bringing forward into, you know, into their beautiful lives. Do you, do you see patterns in your grandkids that you kind of, you know, ha had with your kids and then them kind of passing down? Like, is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. The, 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 my, my daughter, <clears throat> my eldest daughter, her name is Haley, and she's been a, 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 a professional musician in Los Angeles for the last uh, eight years, songwriting. She's, uh, she's, she's traveled, you know, to Europe and Scandinavia and, and, uh, and across Canada and, and, and has been in LA for the last number of years. She's, she's now, this is a bit of a tangent, but she's now a, a published author. She wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago that was published just this past year that is out in the market. So your listeners can check out The People You Follow by Haley Jean Penner. And uh, that, that's a pretty, pretty proud, proud indi indication. But something that Haley did when she was very young, she was uh, at a daycare in Winnipeg called the River Avenue Daycare. And, and Haley is, is a strong, confident, confident girl. And there was a, uh, a group of younger girls at this daycare, you know, maybe four years old. At this point, Haley was in her last year there, so maybe five. And, uh, and these three girls had sort of formed their own little clique and, uh, and there was a, this is a long story here, but there's, there's a kitchen area at this daycare where, where the, the kids would go in and there was a, you know, a, a pretend stove and pots and pans and, and they would just play with kitchen items. And these girls at one, one point, these three clique girls were blocking the entrance for a little boy who wanted to go in and, and play there. They were sort of standing there. No, you can't come in. You can't come in. And Haley saw this. And with her sensitivity, her appreciation of how that little boy would, would feel being shut down by these girls, she you know, stopped what she was doing. She walked over. She put her arm around the little boy, walked up to the girls and says, he's with me and just walked right through them into the kitchen area. That kind of, uh, of, of, of sensitivity of, of, of a human emotion of a feeling is something that, that all my kids have. They, they are, they're gentle, uh, gentle people. They have done things in their own lives that are, are similar in, in that direction. Uh, my, my grandchild, August is his name, my first grandchild. He just turned seven a couple of weeks ago, but similar things are happening with, with, with him at school. There was a, there was a boy who, uh, who was very shy and, and, and it was off in a corner by himself during recess. And he, and, and my son told me that, that August made, made a point of going over and saying, come on, come on, you know, you, you can come with me. 
and, and we'll go play. So seeing kids and grandkids showing love and compassion and understanding and empathy and sympathy for one of their peers is, is a pattern that will carry them through life. So watching that happen was just a very, very positive thing for me to hear about, certainly. And uh, definitely. So how does that, how did you do that? You, you know, you kind of already mentioned all your kids are, are compassionate and empathetic human beings. Is it, is it just kind of in your nature and just how you kind of dealt with them? Or were you really cognizant of that? Like, I want my kids to be compassionate. And so I'm going to yeah, model that's, it. No, that, that's a good point. I, I don't, um, I mean, I, I am a, a, a pretty, pretty gentle man. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot two, a couple of, uh, about 185 pounds now. Uh, so I, I, I take up a lot of, a lot of space. So I've, I've been, uh, I think because of my, my upbringing, the kind of family that I, I grew into, I am, I am a sensitive human being. I had a sister who was born with Down syndrome and she uh, was a huge influence in my, in my life of understanding the special needs of, uh, of, of people and especially of Susie. Uh, so I, I believe that I, I am a, a sensitive person. Uh, I br brought that to, to the family, to the table. So when, when things were happening with the kids, when, when they'd get into situations, when, uh, whether it was, it was time for uh, a, a real, uh, communication with them about something they did that may not have been the, the best you know direction to go it was okay let's let's sit down and talk about this let's uh let's figure out what this problem is it's not just uh you know being not just sloughing it off but but when something happened they, there would be okay let's focus in what what went on there what are you feeling what are you thinking are you okay you know, so being empathetic to them, uh, I think, helped them understand how being empathetic to other people made sense. So that that just became became a flow of life. I think. Nice. Uh, what ways did fatherhood change you? Um, when I uh, w when we knew that we were going to have uh, have a child. Uh, it was, oh my goodness, I, I was in my 30s already. Uh, I remember a feeling of what am I going to give to this child? What is it inside of me that I need to, to share with this, with this, this being? Um, you know, because I was a pretty independent guy you know doing doing my my trip in the uh, in 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 my in my 20s in high school you know uh, just I, I was very um very much a solo kind of performer um i think hmm when damien was born i remember the feeling of needing to go back to the beginning of, of 
my feelings of who I am. How do I feel about relationship? How do I feel about religion, about spirituality? Uh, all of all of the the real human values that I that I embrace and try and bring forward in my work. And I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to bring anything of positive value to this child? So I, it was like I. I cleared the slate for, for a minute within, within myself and said, okay, how do I feel about spirituality? How do I feel about love? How do I feel about, you know, the whole range of things? And, uh, and by doing that, it, it helped me, I think, uh, just become more cognizant of, of, of the values uh, that will go into creating uh, creating a spirit because the, the pearl, a child's personality is formed, you know, in the first six years of life. So you, you don't have a lot of time to really make a, a good foundation and basis for, for, for where this child is going to go. So it was really, really pay attention. I, I think part of it too, uh, that worked in my favor was because I was, uh, when Damien was born, I had just begun my, my, uh, performing career for for children and families the cat came back had come out a year before so I was already focusing in on my work with children with families so it it became a just a very organic process and all of that stuff you know was shared with the kids and they became part of of that life for me so it, it was I was in a very favorable position to you know to pass on some pretty valuable lessons to the kids and they are all really caring beautiful human beings and I'm, I'm so honored to have them in my life proud dad awesome did you uh, so like going back to that beginning of your career really quickly was was be working with children and being a children quote-unquote children performer always something that you wanted to do not at all i i was given no real support for pursuing a professional career in music uh it was my extracurricular stuff all the way i i loved i was in choirs from grade three all the way through through my my schooling years uh in in mixed choirs at high school uh in operettas you know character roles acting you know i would gravitate to anything performing but uh and even though people uh, encouraged me to to go out and, and try these things I was never really uh, nobody ever said you're you are good at this do this as a life career so I always thought of it as as extra and uh, I, I was still you know building my skills I was still playing guitar and singing and learning songs and the rest of that but it wasn't until the early 70s my sister Susie uh, who was born with Down syndrome, as I said, she passed away at 12 years old. And my father, he died a year later. So I was faced with mortality check. And that caused me to become very introspective to try and figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. I'd gone through university. I had a BA in economics a minor in psychology. I didn't want to be a psychologist or an economist, but what skill did I have in life that I could bring forward now? And the only thing was music. So I started playing 
lounges and bars and you know uh, the university circuit you know I, it was it was just it was the folk scene basically which was the foundation of my my upbringing you know in the 60s so i was doing that i was going into all these different venues and sharing songs with with the bar the bar people primarily and it wasn't until you know later in the in the 70s when when the the whole direction changed and uh and i i started pursuing work with uh with families um what do you think or what are some traits you think make one a rad dad um you know outside of what you discussed you know obviously you know imparting some some morality there you know that compassion and and empathy and what what are some other things that why would your kids say you are a rad dad Why am I a red? Um, well, I, I don't know what they would say. What I hope they might say <laughs> is, is that I, um, listened to them, that I was certainly a, a loving, uh, father, that I was a good provider in, in life. They, they probably wouldn't say that because that's, that's sort of, uh, you know, what, what my wife and I considered ourselves to be good providers for the kids. Um, I think they would, uh, again, it, it all goes because my whole life was on the road, basically. Um, they, they would see that that's, that's pretty cool that their dad is Fred Penner. That is. Um, Sorry, my I'm having I'm having some computer problems. So I, all of a sudden, all these bells start ringing because I've I've sent out some feelers to. Uh, to I'm going to turn that off. Though, pardon me. Um, I I I just hope that they would see the rad factor of dad is that he he was a pretty pretty neat guy, you know. We we had some fun together. We had some serious times together. We had a lot of tears together. We we did a lot of family trips together, you know, to Europe a number of times. My, my ex-wife, I've now remarried in my time, but my ex-wife was uh, from Italian background. So we went to Italy a number of times and, uh, and they, they would see that's pretty cool that they could do that with their, with their mom and their dad. Um, what, what makes a rad, a rad dad? It's, uh, it's relationship, obviously, and being as, uh, as open and, and loving as I could possibly be. And I hope they, I know that they've taken that in. How did you deal with being on the road uh, away from that? Like, were you away from them or did you? Oh yeah. You? yeah. Oh yeah. There, there were, there was lots of, <clears throat> lots of touring. I mean, the, the eighties, <clears throat> excuse me, was a, a very intense, uh, intense decade. Um, my life was, uh, was on the road. I, uh, I started touring, in the uh, right after the Cat Came Back album came out, that opened up uh, like festivals and events across the country from coast to coast. So I was, I know I'd be out for for usually about about a ten day ten day stretch. So that'd be two weekends and and some stuff in between, and then come back home for for a week, and then go out for another you know ten days or so. Sometimes it would go a little bit longer once. Fred Penner's place came into the, you know, into my world, then I would be doing uh, three weeks uh, stretches, 
in in Vancouver because the series was aired or produced both in Vancouver and Winnipeg. So I'd be away for three weeks to do that. And then I would do some more touring. So I was away, uh, away a lot. And fortunately, my, my wife, she had her, her own career that was going and, and we, we were able to afford uh, nannies. And, uh, and, and my wife is very, was very good at structuring things. So the kids always had something to do. They, it was always busy in the house. So, so they, you know, dad, dad's here. Oh, dad's gone. Oh, oh dad's here. Oh, dad's gone. You know, so it, it, uh, it was, it's just what it was in, in our, uh, in our world. There was no, they have no basis of comparison. So that's, that's just what it was, but, but they, uh, but they still love me. So that's good. There we go. It's, uh, you know, ask that question. Uh, we've had a lot of musicians on this show and, and, and they always kind of speak to the idea that the technology is there so they could FaceTime their, their, their yeah. kids and that sort of thing. And then they, they would kind of structure their tours around, okay, we're only going to go out two, two weeks at a time. Was that your case? Kind of like, okay, I'm going to go three weeks here and then go home for a bit and be really involved and then go out again? Or is it, was it just maybe that's more kind of what we see now as opposed to back then? It might, it might have been a bit different. When I, when I started up, there, there, there wasn't, the technology to go back to. So, uh, so, so when I was away, I was away, you know, I, I'd say a lot of them on the phone, but, but something about, a, you know, face-to-face -face contact is just a little bit different. I, I think that the experience of being, uh, well, how am I putting this? Uh, I, I didn't necessarily, no, there, there, there was structuring, of course, of the, of the touring, you know, the, the, uh, a lot of the structuring came around the birth of the kids, you know, and I was, I was at home for every birth. I missed a couple of birthdays along the way. Um, the, the, the harder part, I think, for a musician is even when you're home, your, your brain is still thinking, oh, what, what's the next gig? What do I have to prep for the next one? You know, uh, the, the, all of the details of being a touring musician, you know, the, the hotels, the cars, the, the band, the instruments, you know, every, it gets pretty complicated. And, and I know that when I was away from home, uh, there would be a vacuum, you know, dad's not here. So life would form its own little bubble and then I would come off the road and completely disrupt that pattern, you know, because I, I've got my own wants and needs and, and ways of doing things. So, so that, then it would, it would be disruptive for, for a bit of time. I, I would get into the flow. I, you know, I take out the garbage, I clean up the dog poop. I would do whatever, whatever needed to be done. And then it would, it would be, okay, I'm gone again. And it, uh, it was, it was hard. You know, a, a touring musician with family is definitely not an easy gig. And I would, I would not encourage it, you know, un unless that's really where your talent has to go. And, and that's what happens sometimes. I, I had no, I don't think I had any choice at that point. You know, in the beginning, I, I just felt so compelled to explore, you know, a performing life. And uh, 
fortunately, I, I was pretty good at it. Nice. Am of course. What do you mean? You are. What? <laughs> yeah. Was. Am. <laughs> uh, so do you have one tip maybe to like a touring dad musician out there? Uh, yeah, really. Stay as focused as you can on on the kids. You know, the 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 road can be a very selfish trip, especially if you're the leader. You know, it, it's it's all about me, me, me. I need this. I need this to make my, you know, my work on stage. I need, you know, and that's, uh, I, I don't consider myself to be uh, egotistical. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty sensitive guy, but uh, that notwithstanding, uh, it's still very much a, a, a personal kind of trip when you're on the road. So try to let that go and remember your your true value in life uh if you know so sometimes i think that um and i don't know if your your listeners viewers would recognize the name red skelton red skelton uh, was a comedian uh just a, a very very funny actor comedian in the in the 40s 50s and he uh wrote a book and in the book, he talked about being on stage, and he he was he was very very well loved and and famous. And he said that after a performance, he goes back on a stage where there were a couple of thousand people just an hour ago, and he stands there in the middle of the stage, and he looks out at all the empty seats, and he says to himself, "An hour ago, I was somebody. Now, I'm." Just a man who's who's going to go for dinner, you know, maybe going to hop a plane, go back to his wife, whatever. But that understanding for a musician that life on the road is not reality. I repeat, is not reality. Your reality lands where your foundation is. And if your foundation is family, that's where your, your being has to settle. You'll, you'll get up for the gig. You'll get out there. You'll do what you do to th you know, throngs and screams of applause and all of that. Once that's over, you have to go back to yourself. You have to live with yourself. And, and if, uh, if that means parenthood, if that's part of your world, then that's where you've got to go. You have to go back to your core and the things that are of true value to you so that's that's my advice there what's your core my my core is is love and life and children and grandchildren and uh now that um my 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 wife and i we've been married for four years now we've been together for for almost a decade but we bought a property on vancouver island we have a beautiful half acre of, of green and a small house and uh, and part of my core is 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 getting out there and enjoying nature, uh, being uh, really more deeply connected spiritually than I have for a while. My core now is 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 self is is learning to be a a, a better. Uh, a better husband, a better partner, 
but that all comes from 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 inside being um, stronger in my ability to empathize with with my partner. Um, letting letting go of some of the things that that are uh, just a little too egotistical. Um, my my core is always trying to nurture a better self because when I nurture a better me, then I can be a better person to you. That's the that's that's the plan that's the plan. That's the path now is I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a good a good guy in this world. I think you achieved that. And still the fact that you're continuing to kind of work on yourself really resonates with me. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's kind of also one of the, the things we talk about sometimes in this show, but also what we do with Rad Dads is like, yeah, we're providing an avenue for dads to kind of take care of themselves. And it's not a selfish thing. Or no. you know, when, we, when we think of the word selfish, I think there's a negative connotation to it. So I guess you could say it is selfish in the fact that I think it's value to find time for yourself and the better better person you are the better dad or father or you know uh like you said partner you can be so i, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree and it's 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 definitely a journey um yeah, we, sorry one just backtracking a little bit to to a, a, a advice or or you know thoughts to other other dads out there uh life's tough life is hard you know trying to keep all of the pieces together can be can be so very very challenging Learning how to, uh, again, take care of self is so important. Uh, and therapy is, is, can be, and often is a very important part of that. I, I have, I have, I've had a therapist for, for 10 years now, you know, after, after my divorce, uh, th that's an encouraged uh, direction to go. So I've been uh, I've been talking to a couple of therapists along the way. My wife and I go to, you know, to partners therapy uh, occasionally, and it's it's so valuable. There's nothing, you know, if there's there's nothing negative at all about about therapy because therapy is all about again taking care of yourself. So um, don't be afraid of therapy. That's that's my other other little tangent here. Uh, I love that message too. It's. It's, there's such a stigma, right? Uh, people thinking that it's a, it's a weakness, and it's it still kind of permeates yeah. today. And it's it's sad because I, I too, you know, I've gone to to see therapists and stuff to deal with issues in my life. And and at first, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not going, I'm not going. And then it's just like, oh man, I wish I would have went years and years ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so hey, we you heard it on the show, folks. Fred Penner says, uh, you know, therapy works. Yeah, so that would be fierce. Last two questions here. What's what's in the future for you? you? You said you know you're still rocking and rolling. You know, obviously, pandemic, you know, has put some some the kibosh on some things. But um, you know, if 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 things could kind of clear up and, and, and it's safe for people to travel, are you gonna still gonna gig? And well, yeah, the the tour. Uh, I was in the midst of my 40th anniversary cat came back tour when everything shut down. We, we had done, oh, probably a dozen or more dates uh, from Ontario through Winnipeg, through a uh, bit of Saskatchewan into Calgary. And then we ended, uh, we, we had been set up in Edmonton at the Winspear Theatre. Winspear. Yeah. I 
wanted to play there for so many years. It was all set. We had about a thousand people coming and uh, two hours before the Alberta Health Authority shut us shut everything shut everything down. And uh, and so I, um, I I I came back to the island and my wife and I have settled in here since. Um, so it's um, try, trying to trying to think where where it's going to go now. There, there was a big rush for a while to do a lot of virtual virtual stuff, uh, and and I did a number of concerts in the first couple of you know couple of months of uh, of COVID, and then everything started to slow down, and then occasionally there would be uh, a gig coming up. Some some of them were 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 not paying gigs. So uh, you know, I, I had to balance balance that. Uh, I I do have uh, a couple of projects that are that are in the in the works. Some songwriting things with uh, with a couple of groups. Uh, one one group in Ottawa and another another group in Vancouver. Um, th- there's a couple of TV series that are that are being uh, developed, and uh, and I may do some guest spot on that. There's a, a children's series out of Toronto called Miss Persona and I have a recurring role on that on that series and in oh I guess April or so uh, I did go to Nanaimo and they they had rented a small a small space and they followed all the COVID rules and I I did a number of episodes there and that may continue along the way but so that so there's there's more virtual stuff happening certainly more live stuff will be happening possibly not until you know the this the winter of uh 2022 but but gigs that had already been set up for the 40th anniversary cat shows that we we are that i'm contractually you know uh set up with and and ready to to follow so there there will be more touring but uh but also there's a, a couple of more years on this uh on this senior body of mine and uh i'm 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 sort of less inclined to get on the road. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this, this calm, this life, this, this chill existence right now, but I'm, I'm sure it'll get, it'll pick up again at some point. Nice. Um, dad joke. Do you have a favorite dad joke? <laughs> a favorite dad. Do you, have, do you want to oh, stick out? Kind of a silly joke? Oh, what well, depending on what, what age, you know, I, I mean, going, the uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a joke that it, it's 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 more a real life situation, uh, and and how and, and it connects with being uh, a, a focused father, I suppose. Uh, my middle daughter, who now is the mother of of uh, of Lily, and little Milo, their their son. Who I'll be talking to this evening. We we have a Wednesday night phone call, regular regular Wednesday night connection. But uh, but when Danica was in grade three, she came back from elementary school one day, and she and and she walks up to me and she extends the middle finger to me. <laughs> you know, and at this point, I, I already had, you know, there, there there were there were four kids in in uh in my world and and i i've seen a lot of stuff at this point and and them testing out words and and uh gestures and so i did not react to her you know i think she was expecting me to go no danica don't do that that's not no 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 but i 
I sort of stopped and, you know, cocked my head and said, what's, what's that? What are you doing? And, and she, she was surprised and she says, well, that, that's not a, that's a bad word, isn't it? And I said, well, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, not a very polite thing to do. I mean, some people might, might be offended by it. I mean, I, 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 I just sort of discounted it completely, you know, just completely watered down whatever she was expecting. And then she, she, she went away. She, she accepted that. Then she went, went, went away and her brain, her brain did some, some churning and she came back to me and she said, dad, is your middle toe a bad word too? <laughs> so I've, I've related that one, that one a few times. And it's a, uh, that's a good one. Last question here. Any, any, any last fatherly words of wisdom to, to the rad dads out there listening or watching? Um, at some point, you'll cross the line and you'll get angry and you'll get upset. And the, because the kids push your buttons, they, 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 see, they see what you're doing, they understand a, a bit of a weakness, they, they, they start to manipulate because that's how they figure out how this world goes. They learn how to, how to work with people and how to, how to play for that matter. But, but at some point, the, the kids will start doing things with you or with each other that will get you riled up and you will you will get angry and at some point you may raise your voice to the kids and uh and after you do you'll you'll feel oh you'll you'll just feel like you you've crossed the line at that point my advice to you is don't be afraid to apologize to go to the kids and say i'm i'm really sorry that i got mad at you I love you unconditionally. What you did, I did not appreciate. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. So it's, it's the action and the love are, are always, always in balance. I didn't appreciate that. You were, you know, you, you, you disrespected somebody. You, whatever they did that caused you to get angry is one thing. But the love is constant. So learning, learning to, to deal with that. And not being afraid to to get vulnerable and and apologize when you need to. Thank you, Mr. Penner. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. It was an honor to have a have a chat with you and get your perspective on some yeah. of the stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm really really pleased that you're doing this because it's uh, it's so so very important. There's there's a a, a video I'm going to mention here. It's called The Mask You Live In. It, it's sort of a play on the word masculine, mask you live in. And it's, and it's a, a really powerful video, do documentary that uh, I think every dad should see because it talks about the, uh, what's the word? The, uh, the idea that, that that men have to be strong, that men, what 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 makes a man? Well, a man doesn't cry. A man is physically strong. A man is, you know, the the, the misconceived notions of what man is, of what a, what a what a grown man actually is, and and it's 
men are are as as sensitive and caring and loving and men can cry i cry all the time and and i i take that as a as a sign of 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 strength not weakness but but this but this particular documentary it uh, it goes into the lives of of many uh people who grew up in very tough uh, parts of the world and had to develop a tough exterior, which ended up, you know, working against them totally. But, uh, but it's, don't, don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and check out the mask you live in. It's a powerful, powerful piece. We'll, we'll make sure to definitely uh, look that up and then link it, you know, to your, your interview and also throw well, it that'd be great. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. We, we had another guest, uh, Dave Reese, who was a drummer, for a couple, uh, you know, Vancouver punk bands, and he actually worked for the CBC and did um, did a documentary that was similar, followed dads around and you know, uh, kind of document their life. And one of the themes in, in that is you know that they're you know to try to break down you know they're vulnerable too, and you know just sharing that yeah. uh, and it's, it's it's to kind of quash that toxic masculinity kind of kind of idea. I think is so important too, and that's kind of why we do this show as well. Is one of those. Yeah. Well, that, that's, yeah, that, that is, that is the point that I'm, that I'm bringing to you is, is this, I'm sure the people, the dads you talk to, I think many of us will have a very similar kind of perspective is, is uh, be, be sensitive. It's okay to be a sensitive human being. Let it, let, let that out, be, show yourself, show your sensitive side. It's, uh, it's positive, not negative. Excellent. We'll end it there. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. That was Fred Penner on the Rad Dad Show. Thank you so much to Fred for joining us. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you'd drop us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show and on Facebook and Twitter at, at rad dads show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. And you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.